Today's scripture reading is from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Elizabeth, for reading that. That was a quick quick scripture. Did any of you miss it? Yesterday, about 20 of us gathered here for a workshop on best practices that churches can do in welcoming people, in welcoming folks into our building, into our community, into our worship service. And we had some really wonderful discussions and some ideas, and you'll see some of those ideas popping up in the next few weeks and months we began by asking each other this question. And I presume that we don't all know each other's names. So I said, let's share our name. And who welcomed you to the Chatham United Methodist Church? And I must tell you, to a person, everyone began to smile. Because they were thinking of someone in their recent past or their distant past, who was the face of welcome for us in this great church. And we went around and some of the people who welcomed others in the room were in the room. And people were able to say to them face to face, thank you for being the face of welcome. Thank you, you made me feel at home on my first day here. And others talked about some of our saints who have gone on before us, who are no longer living in this earthly life, but who are praising God in the heavenly realm. And they welcomed us and we remembered them with much gratitude. And it began us in a journey of thinking, how can we be the face of welcome to someone else? It's now our turn to be the people who welcome folks And we talked about how the early church in the 4th century had a practice of greeting the stranger as if they were greeting the Christ. It's one of the rules of Benedict of Nursia, who said, whenever you greet someone, greet them as you would greet Christ and look for the Christ in their eyes. Can you imagine what the world would be like if Christians, just Christians began to see every human being with that kind of glance, that kind of holy expectation that we might see the Christ looking back on us. The scriptures that Elizabeth read today are to the early church. And the Apostle Paul gave them two words of encouragement Now remember, the the Bible was written in Greek. And so the Greek word he used was, let Philadelphia continue. Do you know what Philadelphia is? Yeah, the city of brotherly love. Brotherly, sisterly love. So Paul is saying, keep practicing Philadelphia. Love your brother and your sister. But don't neglect to practice 
the Greek word phylloxenia. Phylloxenia translates to the love of the stranger. The love of the stranger. Do you see how he was encouraging the early church to keep this balance? They loved one another because they were putting their lives on the line in the name of Christ with each other. And they knew that following Jesus together was a high-risk activity. And they trusted one another not to tell the authorities. They trusted one another with their own lives because they were followers of Jesus. That creates quite a bond. And so it would be natural for the early church brothers and sisters to love one another and to care deeply for one another and even to be somewhat suspicious of strangers. Because think of what those strangers might represent. They could have been people to come and turn in the Christians. They could have been people who didn't have the Christians' best interest. But Paul was saying, don't forget to love the stranger. For by loving the stranger, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Do you hear that incarnational theology? To, to see the stranger as a possible angel. To greet the stranger as we would greet the Christ. And so that ancient wisdom has been applicable to every season of the Christian life and every congregation of every age. You know, it's easy for us who have been in relationship with one another to love one another. It's easy for us when we pass the peace to look for the people we know and connect with them. We haven't seen them all week or maybe longer but perhaps the challenge for us will be when Pastor Sharon says, let us pass the peace of Christ, we might need to look around for people who we don't know and seek them out first. Or even better, do you know that the passing of the peace is one of the hardest times for new visitors to a church? Do you know why? Because it looks like it's old home week. And everyone knows everyone else except the visitor. And so it's a very awkward time for some visitors because they see everyone happy to see one another and reconnecting with one another. And they may not know anyone. So let's create a culture here where when we pass the peace, we look for whoever's in that lonely part of the sanctuary and just go to them. And greet people who may not have folks directly around them. And look for the face of Christ as we greet them. You know, there's, there's a wisdom out there in the church, in the institutional church, that has done studies on when people decide to come back to a church. It's in the first three minutes after they get out of the car. That's when they know if they've been welcomed or not. That's when they know if the church is happy to see them or not. Okay, so if, if it's a crowded Sunday and you have to park on the other side of the middle school lot, you don't get in the back door in the first minute. Maybe you do. 
And then if you get up to the main hallway in the second minute, you're doing okay. If you have to go to the bathroom or hang your coat up, you're not getting in the sanctuary in that first three minutes. And that's when people decide whether they feel welcomed or not. And so the group of 20 of us that gathered yesterday were thinking, what does our building proclaim? What do our walls proclaim? What do our welcome mats proclaim? To start sending the message immediately that people, all people, are welcome here. What kind of message do we send to the 9,000 folks who come in and out of our church every year? That's how many came out and in and out of our church in this building in 2017. 9,000 plus people. When you add up all the activities, all the groups, what do they know about our welcome when they don't even meet us? What do they read on the walls? What do they see? What do they sense? Have you ever walked into a, a church or a business and you can tell if you're welcome or not just by the signage? First three minutes. Maybe the first three minutes we're here, we need to think, I don't need to see my friends right away. I need to greet people. Do you know the other strategic time? The first minute after the benediction. When Pastor Sharon gives the benediction. We instinctively look for people we want to connect with. Friends we haven't seen in a while. Folks we've been in Bible study with. Folks we've been on Rise mission trips with. Folks who are in our musical group together. What would it be like in that first minute to say, I'll greet my friends, but I want to look around the sanctuary for people who I don't know and go introduce myself to them. That would create a culture of welcome and hospitality that I sense would bear much fruit. Another person in that group yesterday that was talking and brainstorming strategically about welcoming said, you know, we need a team of people in here who are praying before the service. Praying for the ministry of welcome. Praying for the musicians. Praying for the liturgists. Praying for the preacher. Praying for the teachers who are going to be teaching the kids and the adults. Praying for our church. That is so vital for us to have people who are people of prayer intentionally praying for our ministries and our congregation. We might be God's vessels in doing that. We ended our time together yesterday. We met for about two hours with some conversation about a new ministry that Steve Davis is going to be giving leadership to. And it's community building. Intentional community building. Now, I've heard from some of you how connected you feel after you've experienced something with one another. A trip, a project, a small group. And so we're going to think strategically about how we as a church can provide one-off opportunities that some churches are calling meetups. 
How many of you, just raise your hand, know what a meetup is? Okay, yeah, about 10. Okay, so let's just say about 10% of our congregation knows what a meetup is. Our church is hosting a meetup this week um, because we advertised for the mindfulness class that I'm going to be facilitating in Asbury Room on Wednesday from 7.30 to 8.30. We put that on a meetup site where people can, in the area who are interested in mindfulness, meditation, prayer, community, even social justice, because social justice benefits from mindfulness. People have been emailing us saying, I saw you on Meetup, I'll be there on Wednesday. I have no idea who they are. What would it be like if we created more Meetup opportunities for folks as an entry point into our church? Sunday morning may not be the right time for them. It may be too risky. But if the church were hosting a group that was going to Cumac and Patterson, or if the church was hosting uh, a Rise Against Hunger event, where people put together 10,000 meals in our, in our Rada Hall, or maybe the hurricane relief that we're starting again. Maybe we have a meetup of people to assemble flood buckets that can be sent through the United Methodist Committee on Relief down to the Carolinas. Or maybe a meetup could be going to a ball game together, or going to a concert together, or going to... Philadelphia. I've heard a few adults saying, you know, the confirmation class is so lucky they get to go to the historic Methodist churches in Philadelphia and do that plunge into our history and then go out for lunch together. We should do that as adults. Maybe we will. If you have ideas about what we might do together, talk to Steve and volunteer your time because it's going to take a group of people to pull these things off. But that's all part of practicing Philadelphia and not neglecting philoxenia, the love of the stranger. And it goes perfectly with the way the Spirit of God has been nurturing us for over a year now in our prayer statement. I hope you're still praying our prayer statement. It's on our doors. It's inside the elevator. It's in various people's homes on little cards. Some people even say it as a nighttime prayer with their family. Let's pray it together. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. Make us one with Christ. One with each other and one in ministry to all the world. And the people of God said, Amen.